Good morning. Wouldn't you say that at least a part of the purpose of this pandemic is God trying to get our attention? He's always trying to do that, isn't he? I think that's one of the reasons I find the words of Micah the prophet so compelling. He was speaking to a nation that had many similarities to our own. It was a nation that was struggling with corruption, with oppression, with injustice, a nation that had removed God from its focus and dependence. Micah was not only describing what God is like, but he was also telling the nation how to be godlike. For the people of Micah's nation to live again as the people of God, acting justly and loving mercy needed to be restored, but that would never happen until they first began walking humbly with God. Look at our verse. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There's a progression here worth knowing. Justice is important. Justice and consequences. Justice and judgment are important. But there is something more powerful. Remember last week when we talked about Jesus' brother James, what he said about this? Look at this passage. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Restoring justice is important. Restoring mercy is more important, but mercy is not most important. No, above all, the highest accomplishment and experience of our existence, our greatest aim, our foremost hope, the reason and purpose behind our very creation is that we would walk humbly with God. That is the essence of life. This verb, walk, here, a biblical metaphor describing a way to live. So if I'm to walk with God, it's going to be me joining Him. I'm following Him. I'm aligning my life with His. Why? Because He's God. He's he's in charge. His plans are better. His ways are better. His thoughts are better. He's better. And this is what makes faith so tough, because when an all-powerful God does something we don't like or allows something that is very hurtful, something inside of us struggles with continuing to trust him. In fact, many times we put him at arm's length and we go our own way. When I don't walk with God, the last thing I want to do is give someone who has wronged me mercy. And when it comes to justice, I want the justice going back to them. I I want it to be pretty heavy-handed. I'm I'm not concerned about it being fair. Look, I... I had a series of wrongs done against my family and me over a period of years that I was unaware of until later. It was a long time ago. 
in full disclosure, to this day, I, I still have moments. But the gentle voice of God is ever present with his reminders of his mercies to me, new every morning, his mercies that come to me because of the justice that he laid on his son, justice that should have been mine, makes it easier for me to let go of some of these grievances and grudges. Walking with God begins the heart transformation. It makes us sensitive to to what he sees. And it makes us want to act the way he acts. Monty Newman wrote, to walk infers the choice of a path. Choosing to walk with God means we choose to pursue a life that conforms to God's leading and God's will. Amos, a contemporary of Micah, said it this way, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Agreement is necessary in order to walk together. And when it comes to walking with God, it is ours to agree with Him. We agree to go His direction. We agree to go at His pace. We agree to go toward His destination. We agree to walk with His purpose in mind. Why? Because He's God, and we believe ultimately, that he knows best. To walk is a way to live, and to humbly walk, to walk humbly is a way to think. Humility is a funny thing, isn't it? The famous author and theologian A.W. Tozer, he was once once introduced before he got up to speak, and I mean the introduction was was something else. And when Tozer finally took the podium, he said, all I can say is, dear God, forgive him for what he said and forgive me for enjoying it so much. (laughs) The actor Tom Selleck, he told about a time when he was filming Magnum P.I. There was a couple that was in Hawaii on vacation and they ran toward him with their camera eagerly, and they approached him, and he was walking down one of the streets in Honolulu, and you know, he gets that all the time, so he he stopped and struck a pose for him, and they said, no, 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 we're wanting you to take our camera and take a picture of us. Humility. An early church father said, humility is the mother, root, nurse, foundation, and center of all other virtues. Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary defines humility this way, a freedom from arrogance that grows out of the recognition that all we have and are comes from God. Biblical humility isn't so much about looking down on ourselves as it is about looking up to others. The focus is much more outward than inward. Humility can have a peculiarity about it, too, because sometimes it just comes on us with no effort at all. We're just instantly humble. Let me give you an example. Isaiah, another contemporary prophet of Micah, he describes a time in his book of prophecy, the sixth chapter, when he was in the temple praying, and he saw the Lord 
sitting on the throne, and the train of the robe filled the temple. And these angels, they had three sets of wings. Two of the wings covered the face, two of the wings covered the feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The doorposts and the thresholds were shaking. And, and all Isaiah could do was say, Woe is me. I'm ruined. I'm unclean. In an instant, he was completely humble before the Lord. A similar time happened with Daniel, the prophet. He was standing at the banks of the Tigris River, and the Lord appeared before him dressed in linen with a gold belt. He said his face was like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches. When he spoke, it was like the sound of a multitude coming from his voice. Daniel would say, I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale. It set me trembling on my hands and knees. I bowed my face toward the ground and was speechless. Pick it up in verse 16. I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Daniel just like Isaiah, instantly was humble before the Lord. The truth is, no one who has an encounter with God comes away with pride and arrogance. Do we have to experience that in order to believe it? Or can we just believe it? What best describes your walk with God? Is it a bold self-sufficiency that says, God, here are my plans and make it happen? Or is it a humble brokenness seeking mercy, covered in gratitude? I guess the question is, is God here to fulfill your plans or are you here to fulfill his? Humility. Well, if the walk is the way to live, and to walk humbly is the way to think, then to walk humbly with God is the only way. It's the only way. Have you ever heard about the time God appeared to young King Solomon at night in a dream? This is recorded in the ancient historical book of 1 Kings. In fact, in the third chapter and verse 5, it says that God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Can you imagine? If God gave you that offer, what would you ask for? Well, Solomon asked for the wisdom to lead the people and to distinguish between right and wrong. And God was pleased that Solomon did not ask for wealth and did not ask for long life and did not ask for all of his enemies to be killed. So God granted Solomon with the wisdom to lead, and then God threw in wealth and long life and peace on earth to boot. Solomon asked for a good thing. He asked for wisdom. But, but did Solomon ask for the best thing? Hear me out on this. What if Solomon would have asked 
for what Jesus asked for in his last lengthy prayer before he was arrested and crucified. It's in John chapter 17. Father, the hour has come. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave them, so that they may be one as we are one. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, that they may be one as we are one. Are you sensing a little bit of a theme here? I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am, to be with me where I am. I have made known, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Look, Solomon asked for wisdom to know how to lead. Jesus asked for relationship to know God. God would bless Solomon later on. He would write down that to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Is there anything better than coming to know God, than walking humbly with God. His presence is the comfort of our soul. There's nowhere we'd rather be than walking with Him. What more could we ask for than the glory of His presence?